Section 30 of Humorous Readings and Recitations. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Humorous Readings and Recitations. Edited by Leopold Wagner. Section 30 Artemis Ward's Visit to the Tower of London by Farhar Brown. I scarcely need inform you that the tower is very popular with people from the agricultural districts, and it was chiefly them class which I found waiting at the gates the other morning. I saw at once that the tower was established on a firm basis. In the entire history of firm basises, I don't find a basis more firmer than this one. You have no tower in America, said a man in the crowd, who had somehow detected my denomination. Alars, no, I answered. We boast of our enterprise and improvements and yet we are devoid of a tower. America, O oh my unhappy country, though hast not got no tower, it is a sweet boon. The gates were opened after a while, and we all purchased tickets, and went into a waiting room. My friends, said a pale-faced little man in a black clothes, that is a sad day inasmuch as to how i said i mean it is sad to think that so many people have been killed within these gloomy walls my friends let us drop a tear no i said you must excuse me others may drop one if they feel like it but as for me i decline the early managers of this institution were a bad lot and their crimes were truly awful, but I can't sob for those who died four or five hundred years ago. If they was my own relations, I couldn't. It's absurd to shed sobs over things which occurred during the reign of Henry the Three. Let us be cheerful, I continued. Look at the festive warders in their red flannel jackets. They are cheerful, and why should it not be thusly with us? A warder now took us in charge, and showed us the traitor's gate, the armors and things. The traitor's gate is wide enough to admit about twenty traitors abreast, I should judge, but beyond this I couldn't see that it was superior to gates in general. Traitors i will here remark are the unfortunate class of people if they weren't they wouldn't be traitors they conspire to bust up a country they fail and they're traitors they bust her and they become statesmen and heroes take the case of gloucester afterwards old dick the three who may be seen at the tower on horseback in a heavy tin overcoat take mr gloucester's case 
mr g was a conspirer of the basest dye and if he'd failed he would have been hung on a sour apple tree but mr g succeeded and became great he was slewed by colonel richmond but he lives in history and his equestrian figure may be seen daily for a sixpence in conjunction with other eminent persons and no extra charge for the warder's able and beautiful lecture there's one king in this room who is mounted onto a foaming steed his right hand graspin a barber's pole i didn't learn his name the room where the daggers and pistols and other weapons is kept is interesting among this collection of choice cutlery i noticed the bow and error which those hot-headed old chaps used to conduct battles with it is quite like the bow and error used at this date by certain tribes of american injuns and they shoot em off with such an excellent precision that i almost sighed to be an injun when i was in the rocky mountain region they are a pleasant lot them injuns mr cooper and dr caitlin have told us of the red man's wonderful eloquence and i have found it so our party was stopped on the plains of utah by a band of shoshones whose chief said brothers the pale face is welcome brothers the sun is sinking in the west and wanabucky she will soon cease speaking brothers the poor red man belongs to a race which is fast becoming extinct he then whooped in a shrill manner stole our blankets and whiskey and fled to the primeval forest to conceal his emotions i will remark here while the on the subject of indians that they are in the main a very shaky set with even less sense than the fenans and when i hear philanthropists bewailing the fact that every year carries the noble red man nearer the settin sun i simply have to say i'm glad of it though it is rough on the settin sun they call you by the sweet name of brother one minute and the next they scalp you with their thomas hawks but i wonder let us return to the tower at one end of the room where the weapons is kept is a wax figure of queen elizabeth mounted on a fiery stuffed horse whose glass eye flashes with pride and whose red marocker nostril dilates haughtily as if conscious of the royal burden he bears i have associated elizabeth with the spanish armadi she's mixed up with it at the surrey theatre where two to the core is being acted and in which a full bally core is introduced on a board the spanish admiral's ship given the audience the idea that he intends openin a mosaic hall 
in Plymouth the moment he conquers that town. But a very interesting drummer is two to the core, notwithstanding the eccentric conduct of the Spanish admiral, and very nice it is in Queen Elizabeth to make Martin Trugold a baronet. The warder shows us some instruments of torture, such as thumbscrews, throat collars, etc., stating that these were conquered from the Spanish Amardi, and adding what a cruel people the Spaniards was in them days, which elicited from a bright-eyed little girl of about twelve summers the remark that she thought it was rich to talk about the cruelty of the Spaniards using thumb-screws, which he was in a tower where so many people's heads had been cut off. This made the warder stammer and turn red. I was so pleased with the little girl's brightness that I could have kissed the dear child, and I would if she had been six years older. I think my companions intended making a day of it, for they all had sandwiches, sausages, etc. The sad-looking man who had wanted us to drop a tear before we started to go round flinged such quantities of sausage into his mouth that I expected to see him choke himself to death. He said to me in the Beauchamp Tower, where the poor prisoners writ their unhappy names on the cold walls, this is a sad sight. It is indeed, I answered. You're black in the face. You shouldn't eat sausage in public without some rehearsals beforehand. You manage it awkwardly. No, he said, I mean this sad room. Indeed, he was quite right. Though so long ago all these dreadful things happened, I was very glad to get away from this gloomy room, and go where the rich and sparkling crown jewels is kept. I was so pleased with the Queen's crown, that it occurred to me what an agreeable surprise it would be to send a similar one home to my wife, and I asked the warder what was the valley of a good well-constructed crown like that. He told me, but on a ciphering up with a pencil the amount of funds I have in the gent-stock bank, I concluded I'd sent her a gentle silver watch instead. And so I left the tower. It is a solid and commandant edifice but I deny that it is cheerful. I bid it adieu without a pang. From Punch, by permission of the proprietors. End of section 30. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.